0: Welcome to The Broadcast Storm, episode number 142, an interview with David Bumble. Hey everybody, this is Kevin, and in this episode of The Broadcast Storm, we're going to be talking with one of the biggest names in the IT training world, that's David Bumble. And if you're not familiar with David, he's been training students on Cisco Technologies for over 15 years. He's one of those really rare people to pass their CCA on their first attempt, and he has created a ton of training content, including over 1,000 free videos. And, David, first of all, I just want to give you a huge thank you for joining us. Hey, Kevin, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, David, anybody that follows you at all, they know that you're one of the leading trainers on Udemy and YouTube. But I know you've been in this IT industry before YouTube and Udemy were around. So I'd really like to go back to your roots. Can you give us an idea of how you got started in the IT industry? And maybe as a follow on to that, what would you do if you were starting all over today? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's uh, great to share my experience. And I, I mean, the first thing I'll say,
1: is, you know, don't let your past stop you from changing your future. And the reason I say that is because I was originally going back quite a few years, because you asked for, for the beginning. I I was studying mechanical engineering, but I had a dropout because of financial reasons. So I only did like one year, passed my year, but couldn't continue because I won't bore you with the story, but didn't have the money to continue. So I had to take a job in a retail store. So I was managing a retail environment working really, really long hours. Um, But I didn't see much of a future in it. So I was fairly young, didn't have a girlfriend. So I spent a lot of time (laughs) after work studying, got a degree in uh, accountancy of all things and information systems. Um, But I started hearing about IT and learning about IT. And I took classes in the evening to become a Microsoft MCSE. So I used to like work these crazy hours. I got some, on one of the days, I got some time off early to drive to a campus and start learning about, you know, Microsoft products. So I I eventually, after a while, got my MCSE in NT4, so going back a while. And then I moved out of the retail environment and I kind of started working in a support environment, supporting desktops, still in kind of a retail environment because I understood the retail, you know, part of the world, if you like. Um, But then I learned about Cisco and I basically paid for myself to become a CCNA. And that that started opening doors. So the advice I would give to anyone is, again, like I said, don't let your past stop you from changing your future and changing your life. I mean, I can't imagine now working in a retail environment and working crazy long hours. Um, it's possible to change where you are today by learning this stuff. And I've always said it, and I'm a you know firm believer in you know learning CCNA. Um, because I really think CCNA can open up a lot of doors. And I've heard so many stories of people who've done the same. You know, people in worse, much worse conditions than I was. Um, CCNA, and it doesn't have to be CCNA, I think the the tides of the world are changing. Um, CCNA is still a good path, but I mean, there, there are other paths that you could take. You could do cloud. Cloud's really, really hot these days. You could do cybersecurity, also very, very hot. So there are a lot of different paths that you could take. But the moral of the story is if you put the work in, if you study, you can change your life. So, that's sort of the the, the the takeaway I want everyone to have: is don't think you're stuck where you are for the rest of your life. You know, even if you're older in life, you can still you can still change your circumstances. All you have to do is put the work in. And I I know for a lot of people, it's not easy. It's easy. It's, you know, you can be blasé and say, "Oh, just study and it'll change your life." You've got to put a lot of work in, but it, but it is possible. What I would study today, if I was starting. Is I I still have a love for networking, but Kevin, like you mentioned collaboration, you and I have done collaboration for many years. I've mentioned this before. I believe in riding waves. So look at the waves, look at the technologies that are hot today and ride those waves. I got involved with Cisco call manager, the IP telephony solution when Cisco purchased Celsius. So it went from 2.4 to 3.0. It was like Cisco's very, very first voice product. Kevin, you probably remember, you know, showing our age here, uh, it was really buggy. There were a lot of problems in those days. I remember the days where Cisco didn't even have music on hold, which was really important. You know? it's, it's like the, the technology was bad, but it was the beginning of the wave and it just got better and more and more mature. And basically, you know, the PBX industry was obliterated by voice over IP and IP telephony. And Cisco became one of the biggest vendors in IP telephony. So I rode that wave. I mean, before that wave, I saw Cisco as a huge potential. So I started learning Cisco, started getting my CCNA on the side and that opened up a lot of doors. So I saw Cisco as this big technology that I could, or company involved in networking that, you know, I could ride, that was a wave I could ride. And then within that, was IP telephony, and I rode that for a long time. And then, you know, a few years ago, OpenFlow became a big thing. So I saw the changes in the industry and saw, okay, OpenFlow is really, really exciting. This whole paradigm of us manually configuring devices is gonna change. So I rode OpenFlow for a few years, but that kind of died and then morphed into network automation, network programmability. And I got involved in, you know, Python network automation stuff quite a few years ago. There wasn't a lot of content out there. So I got involved in that wave and rode that wave. And, you know, that's now matured. Who would have thought five, 10 years ago that Cisco would be teaching dev courses, yeah? I mean, what a change. But that's kind of matured now. So I see that as much more mature now. That's not the very – that's a way that you could write. So if you're were, if you're planning to stay in Cisco, I would strongly recommend, you know, do CCNA, then get your DevNet associate, and then decide what you enjoy. Maybe you enjoy programming with a bit of networking or you want to be a network person with a bit of programming just decide which path you want to go. So are you going to go down DevNet or are you going to go down, you know, CCMP, CCIE? Um, Kevin, it's, it's a, I've heard, I've had this question as well. Would you become a CCIE today? It's, it's not as clear cut as it was a few years ago,
0: right? Yeah, I would agree that there are certainly more certification options out there today, a lot more to pick from. Personally, I still would go ahead and and get my CCA. I've got my original CCA way back in 2001. I got another one in, in 2012. And each of those really benefited my career. So I'm still a big proponent of going after the CCA. But as I always tell my students, that's not for everybody. In one of my courses, I show a slide where it's a picture of my tombstone. And underneath my name, it has my CCA number. And I always tell tell my students, this is not your goal in life. This is not what you're trying to achieve to have your CCA. And that's your identity. Now, for some people it can dramatically help your career. But evaluate, is it going to be for you or not? It's not going to help everybody in every situation. And also, as you know, David, it takes a tremendous toll on you. It uh, it takes a tremendous amount of time, commitment, you know, financial resources. There is a great deal of stress over a long period of time. It's, um, it's not for everybody. But if you really have that deep desire where you know it's for you, and uh, and you've really you're really passionate about this technology. Yeah, I would uh, today. I would still go for it, even if I did not pass the lab. Just the process of preparation. I know in my case, it made me a much much better network engineer. Just going through the preparation.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it. I think if you want to be a, like the best of the best in networking, or you want to work for like an AT and T or a big enterprise, it's well worth it. Um, But I think the options have changed now. In the past, you know, if you wanted to do networking, it was very clear cut. CCNA, CCMP, CCIE. Today, it's okay, CCNA, now I'm gonna do Dev. So I'm gonna do Cisco DevNet. Or CCNA, now I'm gonna do AWS or Azure. I'm gonna go down the cloud path. Or CCNA, and I mean, CCNA isn't a prerequisite for all of the, isn't a prerequisite for all these certs, but I think it helps having good networking knowledge. Um, So you might get CCNA or Network Plus, uh, and then you may decide, okay, I'm going to go and do cybersecurity or ethical hacking because that's a really hot topic. I mean, just a few days ago, what happened to Microsoft? I mean, I don't know when you're going to release this, but just a few days ago, we had this this hack on Microsoft Exchange Service. So, I mean, cybersecurity is, is, is really, really important, and, and it looks like this is a really hot trend for the next few years. So, I think if you're a young person, decide what you enjoy. I mean, if you enjoy networking, I think it's a solid career. There's a lot of options. But I will say that the jobs at the low end are going to be squeezed, I would I would think, in the next few years. So if all you're doing is configuring VLANs or doing manual stuff, those kind of jobs are going to disappear. They're going to be automated. So make sure that you do networking. But if you're young, you have the advantage now of not having all the old baggage. I mean, Kevin, you and I, you know, joking, we learned frame relay, ISDN, all that kind of analog modems. I mean, who cares about that stuff? So... If you're young, get the CCNA knowledge and then perhaps become an expert in Python or Ansible network automation, something like that, or get your networking knowledge and perhaps you really enjoy it. I mean, I don't know about you, Kevin, but I, I really enjoy like OSPF, BGP. Those kind of protocols are, are to me a lot of fun. So perhaps you want to go down that route. I personally wouldn't
0: do collaboration today. Sorry, Kevin, but that, <laughs> that's, my, that's my opinion. I don't see the demand as what it was before. Yeah, collaboration is one of those niche topics. But, uh, David, have you ever seen the movie uh, The Color Money with uh, Tom Cruise and Paul Newman? I'm really bad with movies, so I haven't. No. Well, in that movie, I remember Paul Newman, he was sort of mentoring uh, the young young Tom Cruise at that time. And he was telling him, if you can get good at anything, if you can be the best at anything, then the money's going to come fairly easily. And when I thought about that, I was actually in my MBA program. So I was uh, working with Cisco gear, I was doing MBA stuff in, uh, in a night school in a university. And I thought, you know, if I just focus all of my efforts here on this Cisco thing, which I really love more than my MBA studies, then I'm not gonna be the best, obviously, but I'm gonna be in that top bracket. I could be in that top bracket, of uh, Cisco professionals. So I decided to kind of go for that. And I think the same applies if somebody's passionate about collaboration. If uh, if it's if it's boring to you, then I don't recommend you go down that route. But for me, it's kind of something I've always been around. I used to work at uh, the GTE laboratories where we worked with a lot of telephony gear. But um, yeah, I think if you can get really good at collaboration or cloud or anything, if you can be in that top few percent of professionals... Yeah, there's going to be opportunities for you.
1: I agree with that. I, w- I will say this. I mean, I live in the UK and I've lived in the UK for a long time, but I'm originally from South Africa. And what opened the doors for me to get here was my CCIE. So I, in my personal experience, and again, this might not apply to everyone, but my CCIE has always been more valuable than my degree. I've always found that a CCIE, um, because it's it's endorsed by Cisco, American company, it's 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 the same has the same value around the world. I mean, some people might debate that, but generally, in my experience, I found that a CCIE whole or holds a lot more value to me going from say Africa to the UK uh, than my degree did. So I still think CCIE has a lot of value, apart from the fact, you know. Um, People will, uh, let me, I'm I'm jumping around here, but let me say the Cisco will give discounts to Cisco partners if you've got a CCIE or if you've got a CCMP. So certifications, if you work for a Cisco partner, can be very valuable. So I don't want to discount CCIE. I think these days it's become very much a personal thing, and it's a way to prove that you are in that top few percent. Um, Is it it necessary for everyone? I don't think so. I think there are a a lot more options today. Uh, You could become good in cloud. You could become good in cybersecurity. Uh, You could do more dev. So, I think the the
0: career options
1: are broader today than they were
0: perhaps when we started. Well, let me ask you one of the questions that I get a lot. I would imagine you get it as well. And that is, how do we get hands-on experience on Cisco gear? I mean, we've got different options, don't we? We've got uh, CML, Cisco Modeling Labs. We've got GNS3. There's even G, Cisco just updated their Cisco Packet Tracer. I think it's 8.0 now. And I know you've dot, done a lot of training on uh, YouTube on some of those different platforms. So I'm kind of wondering, from your perspective, can you give us sort of a side-by-side comparison of the different emulator and simulator options out there? What are some of the pros and cons of each one?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, um, I think if you're, at, if you're at CCNA level and you're just starting, Packet Tracer is probably the best software. It's a simulator, um, and you mentioned that, so let's differentiate between the two. Simulation software isn't the real thing, whereas if you get GNS3 or even G or CML, you're getting proper Cisco images that are virtualized, if you like, on your laptop, whereas uh, Packet Tracer is just a simulator. So it's buggy. It doesn't have all the commands, doesn't output everything uh, perfectly. But if you're starting, it's, I think, is the best software, just because... CML and all these others can be quite quite a there's quite a hurdle to get them to 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 work if you if you're new to this if you don't know what virtualization is if you don't know what VMware is or uh, virtualbox or you're not you're not quite sure what nested virtualization is there's a bunch of things that you have to do to make those work and in that way packet Tracer is, is 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 a lot simpler. it's also free you can download it from the Cisco packet tracer website or the um, the academy website so it's a great piece of software to start with. And I mean, Kevin, I don't know if you agree, but, you know, previous CCNAs, there was a lot more focus on hands-on. Today, the, the, new, the newer CCNA, when I last took it, I mean, there, wasn't, were, there weren't any labs, so there wasn't any hand, hand-on simulations. Um, so I think the emphasis on a lot of, like, memorization of commands or, you know, configuring stuff isn't as great at CCNA level, and Packet Tracer is is good enough for that. And when I say good enough, I think, I mean, there's a lot of features in Packet Tracer that are brilliant. And I'll get to the others in a moment because they're kind of grouped together. Um, Packet Tracer supports simulation mode, which is fantastic because in simulation mode, you can actually see a packet flow through the network. So simple example, if you want to know the difference between a hub and a switch. And I know a lot of people say, who cares about hubs? But just to illustrate the point, in a hub, you'll see the packet or the frame, if you like, from the PC get sent to the hub and then go out of all the other ports so you can visually see that, you can actually visually see uh, layer two, layer three, layer four within packet tracer. So if you're learning this stuff, if you're not quite sure what a port number is, or you know the different options in packets, you can see that very easily and very visually in packet tracer. If it goes to a switch, you'll see that the switch's MAC address table is updated, you'll see how it flows. So I think packet tracer is brilliant, firstly for simulation mode. It's very easy to set up. Uh, all the devices are part of the software, whereas in the others, it gets a bit more com- complicated. You don't get the image images necessarily, so you might get the framework, but you don't have the images to run topologies or create topologies, whereas with Packet Trace, it's all there. So you install Packet trace, A very simple installation, supported on Mac, supported on Linux, supported on Windows. You, you install it very easy to install, and then you have all the devices, and you can literally dev- uh, drag a router or a switch or a PC, or as you said in version 8, a controller. To the, to the topology. And in version eight, they have a much nicer way to see what the devices look physically. And I mean, Kevin, we've probably seen this or heard stories many, many times. Guys arrive on site. They've never actually seen what a device looks like because they've only ever used it in a remote lab or something. And you don't want to be that guy or woman. You want to be the person who knows what a device physically looks like. And that's what's great in Packet Tracer because you can have a physical topology and a logical topology. So you can see like the network diagram, but you can actually see what the devices look like. You have to drag power into devices. So it teaches you a lot of very basic stuff, but it's important stuff. I mean, it's stuff that, you know, guys with a lot of experience, perhaps like us take for granted. But if you're just starting out, you know, what is a console cable? How do you physically plug it in? Packet Tracer is great for that. So my personal recommendation is if you're new to Cisco, if you're just starting out, Packet Tracer is the software to get at CCNA level. Um, Now, once you've mastered Packet Tracer or you're starting to hit the limits of Packet Tracer, then you wanna get to the real stuff. And the real stuff would be CML, or or viral as it was called, GNS3 or even G. Now, this is difficult and I won't get into the politics because there's some politics involved here. I would recommend that if you are wanting to go to that level today, you probably wanna go with CML. And the reason for that is it comes with all the images so when you get CML you get the CML software which is like the framework that makes it work but you also get all the images on an ISO. So you take those two and you combine them and you can build your labs. The problem with gns 3 the problem with uh, EVNG and we can discuss the you know the the technical details and the differences between the two if you like but the The problem with both of those is you don't get the images. You have to get the images from somewhere else. Um, so you'd have to you find images to load into those applications. So the advantage of CML, quite a few advantages. Cisco product, it's an f- official Cisco product. You get all the images. It's not supported by Cisco, or, you know, for the personal edition. It is supported on the enterprise edition, but that's a lot more money. Personal edition costs money, $200 a year. So that's why I'd recommend Packet Trace if you're just starting out because it's free. CML is like $199 a year, but you get all the images. So CML gives you the real thing. GNS3 and even G also give you the real thing. But let's talk with, uh, about CML first. So you get all the Cisco, well, you, well, not all of them, but you get a whole bunch of Cisco devices. So you get like a layer 2 switch. They call it um, iOS layer 2, but it's not, It's not. It, the name is misleading because it's actually layer 2 And layer three switching so you can do almost anything now a few years ago i don't know if you agree kevin but it was difficult you know okay physical equipment or virtual equipment i would use physical because i wanted ether channel or i'd use physical equipment because i wanted port span yeah that stuff no longer applies because you can do almost anything with these images so the the ios layer 2 image and the ios v image which is like a router image you've got a router and switching image allows you to do almost anything. There will be some kind of restrictions, especially if you want to work with ASICs. So if you want to do quality of service, there are some restrictions there. But apart from those, you know, from, for, a, from, for study purposes, CCN, CCNA, CCMP, basically everything's covered. CCIE, even a lot of CCIE would be covered with, with CML today. Um, there is a restriction, however, that they limit the number of devices that you can run. So you can only run like 20 Cisco devices, but you could run Ubuntu devices in addition to that but you can create fairly large topologies so if you at CCMP level or at CCIE level I think CML is the best software if you want to study Cisco stuff Um, now coming to GNS3 and even G GNS3 is like the older type of software so it's been around for a long time very mature Uh, it has a a user interface that you install locally so there's like a graphical user interface that you install on your PC, and then you run uh, a server component in a VM. Uh, just a bit of history. Originally, so GNS3 just had the, the, the graphical user interface that you ran locally, but then they started migrating to putting more and more stuff on a VM. And the reason for that is because it's very difficult to support software that runs on a Mac, on Linux, and on Windows. And there's a lot of weirdness between the way those operating systems work so everything on gns3 is migrating to running on a vm and now there's a big push to using a web interface so the way gns3 is moving is the same as the other platforms we have a vm we connect to the vm with a graphical user interface running within a browser so you you don't install any software locally even g has been doing that for a while They sort of the new kid on the block, if you like. Um, So we had GNS3, and then even G started that immediately. So they didn't have a client that you installed locally. They just ran everything through a GUI. So for a long time, their product was more mature on the graphical user interface through the web browser, whereas GNS3 had a lot of options just because of history. So there were a lot more options available uh, with GNS3, with the client and the server component. Even G was the best for a long time on the web interface. GNS3 is kind of catching up with that now. So there's been a lot of development on the web interface. So, I mean, I don't like to get into wars about, you know, this is the best software. You know, choose the one that you like. I mean, Kevin, you know, which one do you prefer? Some people love EvenG and prefer it. Some people love GNS3 and prefer that. I'm sort of a GNS3 user more because I've just been using their software for a really long time. But then CML got updated. CML used to be called Viral. And in viral, they also had a thick client, if you like, and a VM, and it was a disaster. It was a, it was very difficult, very big overhead. So I would never have used CM, uh, sorry, viral. Uh, I didn't like it, but CML was a huge improvement because basically they did kind of like what even G was doing. They have a, a, a VM, so virtual machine, that you load in a hypervisor like VMware Workstation or something, and then you just connect to it through a web browser And Cisco did a great job here. I mean, the developers of CML did a very, very good job, great product. But the biggest advantage is you get the images. Now, talking about those three products, they all have good and bad, yeah? All have good and bad. Uh, CML is not good when it comes to putting um, labels on your interfaces. So a lot of people don't like the CML interface because they prefer even G. Other people prefer GNS3's interface. My, my attitude is choose the platform that you like the most, but be aware that CML is the only platform that comes with images. So that's a big thing to be aware of. Um, apart from that, they're all great. I've used all three of them. Uh, advantages, disadvantages to all of them. I will say this GNS3 and even G are more focused on multi vendor. So you can bring Juniper images in, you can bring um, Cumulus. You can bring Arista very, very easily into both those platforms. You can do it on CML, so you can run other images within CML, but it's more convoluted to get that to work. GNS3, I find, is the best for importing images in that there's a little wizard. You simply click on you know, a little wizard, go next, 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 point to images, and it uploads it to the GNS3 VM, adds it to your topology. I find that to be the easiest. I found on CML... Sorry, apologies, uh, EVNG may have updated their process, but when I last looked at it, it was fairly convoluted. It was probably the worst when uploading images. And these uh, EVNG guys, don't send me hate mail. Let me know you know, if you've changed it and made it easier. Uh, CML is also a bit complicated. Again, advantages and disadvantages to each. You need to decide which one you prefer.
0: And I think a barrier for a lot of people getting into an emulator or a simulator is how difficult is it to install as I'm interested in your take on: Is it easiest to install CML, or is it easiest to install EVNG, or maybe GNS3? I remember when I used to work with GNS3 years and years ago. You had to play with all these idle PC timers, or it would it would spike your CPU, and and uh, Viral was much more difficult to install, and CML is a lot easier. But um, what do you think is the easiest emulator to install?
1: I think I'd say CML is the easiest in my experience. CML is the easiest because you literally can set it up in a few steps. It's like when when you start the installation process, you go through a wizard of like, I think it's five or maybe 10 at the most. Like you give it your admin password, you give it a login for the user interface and you're done. All the images are there. Because it comes with all the images on an ISO, because you point to that image uh, disk when you do the installation, if you if you point it to the images in the beginning and you you don't forget to do that portion, I'd say CML is by far the easiest. You don't need to worry about idle timeouts. I mean, you don't even need to worry about that on GNS3 now because they recommend you don't use those old iOS images anyway. But um, from a setup point of view, I would say the easiest is Packet Tracer, but it's limited because it's a simulator. Next step would be CML. I think the CML guys did a great job of making it very, very easy to set up. They basically, I think, I can't say this because I don't know. This is just me looking at what they did. They looked at the, the best of GNS3, the best of G, and they made their own product, which has got a lot of good from both those products. Now, again, there are disadvantages to CML. Some things people hate about it, but again, choose which one you prefer. But if you were starting out, I would say CML is the easiest, the disadvantages you have to pay, well, two big disadvantages you have to pay to get the images and the software. It's licensed, so you have to put a license. Well, three disadvantages. You have to pay. You have to license it. So that can sometimes be a pain. Some guys mess that up, and then things don't work properly. And you're limited to 20 devices in personal edition. Those are the three major disadvantages.
0: And you mentioned the simulator, Cisco Packet Tracer version 8.0. You mentioned that it had a network controller. And that's one of the, the cool new features of Cisco Packet Tracer version 8.0 is you can have this sort of generic network controller. It's not really DNA center. It's not really the older APIC-EM interface. It's kind of its own thing, but you can do a network discovery. You can do a path trace. You can go to a PC, and there's a programming tab, and you can execute some uh, some Python code to go configure some devices in your network. So it's, it's kind of cool, and that brings up the question. It looks like Cisco is putting more and more emphasis on Network automation, and I know on your YouTube channel you've got several different videos on network automation. So the question is: If I'm new in networking, do I need to learn Python? Is that an option for me, or can I just focus on on route switch?
1: Short answer is, you have to learn it. I think the uh, the days of us doing stuff through the CLI are gone. Um, I saw this trend, like I mentioned in the beginning, quite a while ago, and I think if you're doing stuff manually, uh, that that's going to disappear. I mean, let's be honest, Kevin, us network people are in the stone ages who in their right mind would use notepad as their automation tool. I mean, that's not what they do with servers. That's not what they do with storage. That's not what they do in other areas. The cloud. Can you imagine the cloud with some guy having to go there through the CLI configuring everything? I mean, I I say that in jest, but I mean, it's, it, 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 it's the future. It's it's just obvious, you know, who goes to a farm and manually takes a sickle and, you know, tries to gather, you know, wheat or whatever. You, you use a machine to do that. So I think you you don't have to be scared of it be, because let's be honest, I don't want to manually do stuff. I want a machine to do the boring, repetitive tasks. And that's what automation does. It allows me to have a machine or a, a script or whatever that does the, the manual stuff so that I can do things that a machine can't do. Um... I think it's it, it's it's here to stay. I mean, Cisco have put it in the CCNA. Uh, that just shows you how important it is. We've got the whole DevNet track. And I mean, DevNet has been bubbling up in the industry for a while. they kind of taking center stage in a way because this is the future. Now, I have some it, – it's interesting. I've discussed it with some guys. Do network people need to become programmers or do programmers have to become networking people? And some people would argue this. They would say a network person must be a network person, but they should learn the language of programmers so that they can talk to a proper coder or proper programmer. Let's be honest, Kevin, you and I are not going to go and program a Facebook or a, well, maybe you will, but I doubt I'll be able to do it. You know, I'm going to concentrate on using scripts or using some automation stuff to do tasks that save me time. But if I want a big product, I'm going to buy a product from Cisco or buy a product from another automation vendor. Um, because I don't have the time to write code to the level that they can write. I have a good friend that I that I do a lot of stuff with, Chuck Black. He's a, been a programmer for 40 years. When I talk to him, I can hear that I'm not a programmer. He talks in a whole different language to me. But what works really well is when him and I have a conversation, I come to it from a networking viewpoint or paradigm, and I have an understanding of programming because I have done coding in the past. He comes to the, the the discussion as a developer with years and years of programming knowledge, but he's worked in a networking context for a long time. So he understands spanning tree, understands CDP, understands all this stuff, but he's not sure what I want. So him and I have a conversation. I tell him as a network person, this is what I want in a product. And he created this product called Quokka, which is, it's a free product that you can download. Uh, there's a free course that he's created that teaches you Python from a developer's or a coder's point of view. Um, so you can get access to that for free. But I mean, the point is, is that him and I had this discussion, and I was telling him, "Chuck, this is what I want to see in this product. This is what a network guy would want." And he was like, are you, "Are you sure?" I said, "Yeah, I'm a network guy. I want the product to do this." And what we found, just in that small example, is the product became very, very good because he had all the coding knowledge that I didn't have, and I understood what a network person would want to see. So I think. For a lot of us, you might not want to become a developer, go down the DevNet path, but you you still need to understand development terms. You have to, I mean, Kevin, let's be honest. Why on earth are we doing, putting our code in Notepad when it should be on Git, where we've got, you know, a history of changes, stuff like that. There's a whole bunch of dev kind of ways of doing things that will really save us a lot of time. We were doing things in an antiquated way. So long answer to, to your question, do we need to learn it? Yes, you may not want to ever do coding. You may want to be a pure network person, but you need to have at least an understanding of like, what is Python, how to write a, a basic Python script. You need to understand terminology, like what is Git, stuff like that, so that you can at least have an intelligent discussion with a developer. And again, I think it depends on the company that you work for. If you work for a very small company, you may have to do everything. So you write your own scripts. But if you work in a very large enterprise, you may be in the networking group and then you're just interfacing with a, another group that's sort of the developer group or, you know, the, the the networking guys that have moved over to to become developers. So I think that the opportunities are great. There are lots of opportunities. And we need to talk more about because you're talking about labs. So, I mean, talk coming back to your thing about packet tracer, I looked at the controller and it's okay. But personally, I would recommend someone just go and look at DevNet, DevNet Cisco DevNet. So developer.cisco.com, they have a whole bunch of free training. They have a whole bunch of free labs. They've they've basically put CML in the cloud that you can access for free. So if you don't want to buy CML, you could just access the DevNet labs. The problem is you have to reserve them. So they might not be available. Depends on usage, stuff like that. But you could actually use some of the CML uh, lab, sorry, some of the DevNet labs to even practice CCNA or CCMP content. But apart from that, talking about automation, they have a whole bunch of labs and free content out there. So as an example, on, on my YouTube videos, when I was, when I'm teaching CCNA network automation or CCMP network automation, I wouldn't use Packet Tracer. I wouldn't perhaps even use CML because not everyone has access to that because Cisco have these, um, these uh, sandbox labs that are permanently on. And you can basically just SSH to a Nexus device or to a iOS device and you can configure it remotely. You can SSH to it or you could write a script that talks to it using Python or whatever. Um, those are available. And if if you don't want to you know, share a lab with other people, you can just reserve a lab. So I think DevNet have done what we wished Cisco had done many, many years ago. I mean, we've been in this game a long time. Years ago, you had to buy your own equipment. And I mean, Kevin, you haven't got into that discussion. Is it worth buying equipment today? I've got a whole bunch sitting gathering dust. I don't know what you've got, but I think if you're starting out, some people would say you should get some physical equipment like make your home uh, network Cisco so you can learn you know how to patch cables. You can learn all the stuff that you can't learn in simulators. So I think there's value in that, but very, very quickly, stuff, it's much easier to
0: use virtualized stuff, including stuff hosted in the cloud by DevNet. And as you were talking about your friend, Chuck, that is more of the developer, I thought, what a great illustration of DevOps. He's the developer. You're more of network operations, and that's where we get DevOps from, development and network operations. And there's the whole DevOps lifecycle where there's continuous feedback and iteration between those two different camps. And it reminded me of something that I heard Chuck Robbins say at Cisco Live. This has been a few years ago. He was talking about the engineer of the future, And he showed this Venn diagram on screen. And there were these two overlapping circles. One circle was the traditional network engineer like yourself. And one was the development person, the programmer. And that area of overlap, he said, was the hybrid engineer. They possessed both skill sets, both programming and traditional networking. But as time has gone on, I've heard him change his language a bit. Instead of talking about the hybrid engineer, more recently, I heard him talk about what do you call the network dream team? And that's where you've got people with deep domain expertise just in development, and you've got people with deep domain expertise like yourself in uh, in network operations. But I think it's it's great to be conversant in whatever area that you're not the specialist in because there's there's just a lot to learn, and you really cannot be a master of of all those different disciplines.
1: It's just too much to learn. I mean, you can't. You can't, you, I mean, just like CCIEs, there's, there's how many CCIEs? You've got two CCIEs, writing and switching and collaboration. I mean, just in those two domains, there's so much to learn. You can't be an expert in every domain. Um, and I think things are changing so rapidly uh, that these days it's accelerating. Uh, it, it makes more sense to have a team of people. Uh, everyone has their strengths and they, and they just collaborate on making something
0: work. Now, when David and I first met, it was at a uh, Cisco Live, and I remember one of the comments I made to you, David, was was how prolific you were. I thought, how do you do it? How do you create so much content? Because looking at all the stuff you've got on Udemy, I mean, you've got a disproportionate amount of content that you've created. So I'm thinking there's got to be some serious time management, optimization strategies behind the scenes. Can you share it with us? How are you so productive? How are you able to just crank out so much content? I know there's going to be a lot of productivity secrets behind the scenes.
1: I don't feel like that. I mean, I often, I often think I'm, I'm not doing enough. Um, I think it, a lot of it's uh, – so there's a good book that I've recommended previously called Deep Work. And I'd recommend a lot of people read that in the, in the Deep Work book, uh, Cole Newport talks about, you know, you have to lock yourself away and just do stuff that's of importance. And I think, um, one of the things I don't do, I'm a really boring guy. I don't watch television, so I don't have a, I haven't had a television for years, um, which means I can't, I can't get all the movie references that people talk about. So I'm a bit clueless when it comes to that, but I've got Google, but no, on a serious note, you know, Kevin, you live in the States. I mean, I hear the stats coming out of America and it's like, to me, it's mad. How can you watch? The average American watches something like six hours of television, movies, Netflix a day. I mean, if you spend that kind of time, you know, just watching stuff, uh, you, what do you do with the rest of your day? And I also think there's a difference between, and I don't want to insult everyone, you've got to do what you want to do because everyone's different. I made a decision a number of years ago that I'm going to create content. So I'm not going to consume as much as I create. And I think if you, in our industry, Kevin, you're in the same business, you know, we have to create courses, we have to create content. Uh, I'm always focused on, okay, if I'm reading a book, how is this gonna help me to create content that's relevant to people that I'm trying to help? Um, so Deep Work's a good thing. And The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, also another great book. Um, don't do what's urgent, always do what's important. I have two daughters, uh, teenagers and just pre-teens. And, you know, for me, If I have 24 hours in the day, I'm not going to spend six hours watching television. I'm going to spend time with them or I'm going to be creating content. So it's not the lifestyle for everyone. Um, You know, different people have different priorities. But I, I take the compliment as thank you, but I often think I don't
0: create enough. Well, there's one final question. I want to circle back to something you were talking about earlier. You were talking about catching different waves, catching industry trends. So from your perspective, what are some of those trends? What are those big waves that our our listeners should be catching right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, network programmability has been one in the Cisco networking. And we use Cisco. I mean, I, we shouldn't say Cisco because there's Juniper and there's Arista and other vendors. But, you know, in the networking community, uh, network automation has been big. And I mean, Cisco, are the biggest in the community. So um, hence, I mean, we we Cisco guys, a lot of our experience. So hence using that name. But um, your network automation has been growing for quite a while. Uh, and that's a big trend. It's getting more mature now. So, if you want to ride that wave, that's a great wave, especially if you want to stay in networking. But the cloud is you know, taking everything, or taking over everything. I mean, the acceleration just in 2020 because of COVID has just proven that we have to move to the cloud, a lot of us. Um, I mean, Zoom didn't just become this huge company overnight, well, it kind of became huge overnight. But, it, you know, if they hadn't had a cloud infrastructure, how would they have scaled so quickly? Stuff like that. So, I think cloud is massive. Amazon, you, you know, are so big. A lot of people, I don't know if you get this question, but I get this question a lot. Is it worth even learning, networking, like pure networking? Because everything's going to the cloud. And I mean, there's truth in that, but people forget that the cloud is a network. And if you put a business into the cloud, you have to understand networking. So you're still gonna understand IP addressing, subnetting, firewalls, load balancing, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not as if networking skills are going away, but the cloud is is a very hot topic. And I think that's been going on for a few years. But what's really starting to get hot at the moment, I mentioned previously, is is cybersecurity. So I think anyone in the cybersecurity space, ethical hacking, Anything in that space is is, is going to have a good future for the next few years. And that's kind of why I've moved into more and more cybersecurity type content because I, again, want to ride the waves. And I see this as a big wave. And I think you and I as content creators, Kevin, or whatever term you want to use, we have to sort of be in the forefront of that because you know we want to ride that wave so that we can create content that people want to consume. So um, yeah, or n- cybersecurity, I think, is a big one. So do what you love if you can not always possible, but you know, Kevin, you love collaboration. And for a long time, I enjoyed it, but I got tired of it. If you asked me to set up phones now, I probably wouldn't want to, (laughs) but you know, you got to do what you love and it's good. It's good that people have different passions. Um, I'd rather you work on collaboration and then I can work on hacking, but you know, and I just use that as an example, you got to do what you, what you love. Um, but three, you know, big trends, cloud, anything, cloud, AWS, Azure, uh, I have a love-hate relationship with Google. Um, a lot of people, you know, don't want to use Google, have said they don't like Google Cloud because Google changed things a lot. But I mean, let's not get into that. I would suggest Azure or AWS as, as, a, as something to learn or cybersecurity, or if you're in pure networking, uh, network automation. I think the days of networking being as popular or as hot as it was or, or it's more mature now it's not what it used to be but in the de- in the networking sphere we've got uh, network automation as something that's changing the industry taking it even further programming if you if you're just starting and you're not sure which way to go look at dev because you may like that but then some people may say I don't want to do development I hate that so then networking may be a good option or you might say okay I like development but I don't want to do coding full time I enjoy networking. So maybe you can do that hybrid engineer type thing that you were talking about, where you can be the networking guy with a bit of, of programming. And, you know, that can vary depending on, on who you are. I mean, are we, you and I both know people in the industry who were networking guys who have now moved into pure coding. Um, you know, people change from one role to another. Or you might decide to do cybersecurity or you might decide to do data science. I mean, I think that's something that's gonna be big in the next few years analytics. Cisco purchased 1,000 eyes, didn't they? Um, they're doing a lot of these data acquisitions. So I think mining of data, uh, just managing information is going to be big in the coming years as well. I think that's further out for a lot of us network people, perhaps. I mean, the world runs on, on, on algorithms. Data science is extremely important and has been for a long time. It just depends on what you enjoy. I think Kevin, I think you and I as traditional networking guys, you know, networking has, has been our love for a long time. But if you're starting out, you may decide, OK, I enjoy networking, but I prefer cloud or I enjoy networking, but I prefer dev. And you've got these different paths that you can take.
0: And as we start to wrap up, I want to make sure that everybody can find you online. I'm going to include in, uh, in the show notes the uh, link to your YouTube channel. Is, uh, is that good or do you want me to point them anywhere else in the show notes?
1: No, I mean, that's fine. I mean, YouTube's fine or Twitter. It's uh, you, you Just do a search for my 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 name. It's not a very common name and you'll
0: find me very easily. Well, this has gone on a bit longer than I anticipated. So uh, thank you for for spending the time with us and, uh, and sharing some of these insights. It's been great to have you. Thanks, Kevin. And on that note, we'll wrap up this episode. I'll be sure to include links to uh, David's YouTube channel and his Twitter account in the show notes. And I look forward to spending time with you again on the next episode of The Broadcast Storm.